The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning and happy Friday. Welcome to the end of the week. It's over. The weekend is upon us. Just a few hours, you're out of work, and you can enjoy the weekend. A great time of relaxation, a time of worship on Sunday, and a great time just to recharge and get ready for the coming week. And we're glad you've taken today just a little bit of time, 10, 12 minutes out of your day uh, to be with us and hope it'll be help again today. This morning, we're continuing in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you're following along with us, we're in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start today in verse... uh, Number seven. Now let me explain a little bit of what's going on here. Starting in verse seven and back down to 11, there is a list of gifts that are given to the church. And in the middle, there is this parenthesis. It's kind of an illustration. It explains a little bit of what's going on. It fits in context, explaining a bit of where the gifts come from and really the hope. It's a bit of doctrine of the hope that we have in heaven and how we've achieved it. And frankly, it kind of answers some questions about that time before G, between the time Jesus died and when he ascended. And it takes some time to answer those questions and breaks down the premise of the victory that God gained upon the cross or Jesus gained upon the cross. And then what happens is it, can, it kind of comes out of that parenthesis and begins to talk about gifts to the church. He says in verse 7, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And so we've been given grace and as God understands we'll need for our different gifts. And then verse 10, um, verse 11, he says, and he gave some. And then he talks about gifts to the church. Now, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 talk about gifts of the Spirit that are given to every Christian. A gift we've been given, it's a gift and a talent that we can use to glorify God. And many of us can make finance, money off it, things of that nature, you know, for work. But it's ultimately given to us to better the church body, his body, and to reach people for his kingdom and, and, and for eternity. And so that's what it's for. That's First Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. In this passage, it's gifts to the church, kind of to us as a body. And we'll talk about that Monday. But today, as we finish the week, I want to talk about this little illustrative, if I can use the term parentheses, this break in the middle of this. Let's go back and read 7 again and go through these verses. Verse 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto them. Now he that now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that descended high far above all heavens, and he might fulfill all things. Now here's the illustration. The illustration is a conquering king. When a conquering king would go, it often would take the prisoners of war, and if I can use the term, would parade them in front of the conquering, uh, the nation, saying, we've won, these are the prisoners of war. The king would come in, the prisoners would be taken to their prison cell to an extent, and then gifts would be given to those who, uh, in the kingdom, to those who have helped be part of the victory. And so that's the picture here. It is a battle, it's a conquering king, and Jesus is pictured as a conquering king. This is where we gain the hope. Now, obviously, the person he's kind of, if we can say, bragging on the fact he's defeated Satan and his army. When he died upon the cross and he rose from the dead, he, he defeated Satan's army. 
and then he takes the captivity captive and he starts to give gifts. And so that's what we start with. And then the gifts are then given down to us here on earth. So here's what I'm going to do is we'll explain because there's a bit of doctrine in this phrase talking about he led captivity captive and he went to the center of the earth. So let's, let's unpack these verses for the last couple of minutes we have together to maybe, because a lot of people have asked what these verses mean, and I hope this will at least explain and help understand the hope that we have seen in these verses. Verse 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto all men. So that's what ultimately happened. And he says in verse 9, what happened first? Now he, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended above far, up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. So the picture is this. When Jesus died upon the cross and he was placed in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, uh, there's a lot of beliefs that he didn't die, he was just in a coma. Well, we know that when this, this um, soldier pierced his side with the spear, water and blood came out separately, proof of death. So he was dead and his body was gone for three days. But Jesus himself was still alive. Just like when we die, our soul goes to one or two places, heaven or hell. So what happened was this, Jesus ascended first down to the lower parts. There is a belief that I do not, do not follow, do not agree with. There's a belief that Jesus went to hell and he tortured, he was tortured in hell for three days so that he could understand all of our pain. So he endured the pain and torture of hell for three days before going back up. I do not believe that. If you go back and study Luke 16, you're going to remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man looked up and the Bible says he was sitting in Abraham's bosom. There's a lot of belief this is the parable none of this was true. The reason I don't believe is it a parable is it doesn't match any of the other parables in Scripture. No other parable has a proper name, Lazarus. No one has a time. Uh, the rich man says, my family's alive, and he named prophets that were there at that time. And so none of those things match the other parables. What we know is this is a real time. And he said there's a great gulf fix between the rich man and Lazarus in what's called Abraham's bosom. We use the term, it's a Hebrew term, Sheol. It's a place holding. And really, it's, it's Hades, really, ultimately. But what you have is, at one point, we believe probably in the center of the earth, there was this huge holding place. Half of it was Hades or hell. The other half was Abraham's bosom. And, and as far as we could tell, they could see each other. That must have been even more to the torture of those in hell. Because what had happened is people could not go to heaven. The Old Testament saints could not go to heaven because Jesus had not fi finished the law. So they could not be in the presence of God. So they were in Abraham's bosom. So he had to like fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecies of the sacrifices. And so he had to go to heaven and place the blood on the mercy seat in the presence of God, which now had dealt with sin and people could be in, in heaven, the presence of God. So uh, even in those times, the tabernacle, the temple was still in two or three divisions. So we come down to what he did. He went down into Sheol. He came down into this holding place. Those, if you want to use the word captives, those who were down there, um, those who had not been able to go to heaven freely were sitting in Abraham's bosom. A great place, please don't get me wrong, but not heaven. He took them. He had gone down, having conquered death, kind of grabbed the keys of death and hell from Satan down there, he took those in Abraham's bosom and took them, led them to heaven, to captivity captive, led them back to the new place, heaven. And this is not just the heavenlies in space, e eternal heaven in the presence of God. And then when he got there, then he gave gifts unto them. That's the presence. So even though he talks about the gifts that he gave to, he's going to give to the church, he, he gives his parentheses of this time that took place when, well, his body was in the grave. Now, I made a comment earlier that this is our hope. Why? 
One, one of the things we understand this is this is where he, he says in the end of verse 10, he ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. He is finalizing the prophecies. He's finalizing the picture of the animal sacrifice where the blood was put on the mercy seat. He's finalizing it so that way now that he's in heaven. As a matter of fact, there's a section when Mary bowed down to Jesus and was going to hug him. He says, do not touch me for I have not been to my father yet. He was going to go to heaven and place the blood on the mercy seat. He had not done that. Yeah. And so these are some of the pictures that had happened of what he was going to do. And so we understand that he was going to finalize the picture, fulfill the Old Testament law. Now the hope comes this. Because Jesus is taking care of everything the law demanded, we can enjoy salvation that has been imputed on us or given to us overwritten on us by Christ. We ourselves are not righteous. We are not saints. We are not good in any matter. We have been saved. We have been made righteous. The term is propitiation. His righteousness has been imputed upon us. And because of that, we have hope. This is the ending of that. This is how it works. And so now we can spend eternity. We have a guarantee of a home in heaven. The Bible says in the New Testament, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, that wasn't a truth in the Old Testament. It's a truth in the New Testament. Jesus had fulfilled it all. And now, because we're after the cross, we look forward to the fact that if something were to happen, and if we're Christians and our life were to end, we literally leave our body to stand in the presence of God. Two thoughts as I finish. One, do you know for sure that if something were to happen and your life were to end, because we're not guaranteed tomorrow, do you know for sure that heaven is your destination. I'm not asking you if you're religious or you've been baptized, all those things. Do you know for sure that heaven is your destination? John, 1 John says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Do you know that? I'm not asking you things. so. Does your good outweigh your bad? Do you know that? From the Word of God. If not, we'd love a chance to encourage you. I encourage you to seek God today. If you have questions, you can call us at our church office, uh, bensalembaptist.org. Got our contact information. Email us. Let's reach out. Give us a chance to share the Word of God with you. Second question. Um, you find yourself discouraged sometimes in the situation of the world and life and things like that. You say, is there really hope? Yes, there is hope. You know, God is not going to force this evil world to stop being evil. As a matter of fact, things will get worse before Jesus comes back. So the battles we face, the diseases, all these things are still going to come. God's never, never said they won't. He's just said, I will be there with you. His goodness is coming and helping me and is with me all the way through these things. So in the time you're finding, remember the hope. God has not forgotten about you. He loves you, and there is an end. This is not the end. There is hope that transcends all of this. So look at all of this and see Jesus far beyond all of the battles of the world today. Thanks for joining us on this Friday. Thanks for giving me a chance to be part of your day. I hope it's an encouragement. I hope it inspires you to keep moving forward and to know that God has a plan for your life. Hope you join us, if you can, Sunday morning, if you're local, uh, in person, 10 o'clock in the morning. We have an evening service at 5 o'clock. We'd love to have you to one or both of those services. If you can't make it for any reason, uh, our, our, we will be live streaming both of the services on our website, YouTube channel, Facebook page. We hope you join us. We hope to see you over the weekend. Thanks again for joining us this week, being part of this. We hope you join us again starting again next Monday.